Our New Testament reading today comes from Romans chapter 7. It is the continuation of the text we heard last week, and it is the basis for today's message. Paul here writes, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, raging, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members." Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Christian life, following after Jesus, trusting in him, is a life of adjustment. We've been walking through Romans the past several weeks, and the Apostle Paul has laid out how, this, how salvation works and how this new life is to be lived. That we are set free from the bondage of sin, set free from, from uh, slavery to sin, like, like a prisoner set free, a prisoner kept in darkness, in, in fear, in, in anguish, and yet we are set free fully free, all on account of Jesus. Yet this new life is one of adjustment. That, that now we have, that we have been set free, well, how are we to live? Last week and the week before that, it's very clear that, that we don't go back to the way we once lived, that we don't give in and give up to, to the sinful passions that, that still wage a war in our hearts, and yet, for a prisoner to, to just simply be set free is quite an adjustment. Maybe you've known someone, or, or maybe uh, you've been close to someone who's experienced this, but oftentimes when a prisoner who has served a long time in prison is all of a sudden free, it's a very hard adjustment. It's a very hard adjustment to go back to living uh, a, a normal life. Because in prison, everything's taken care of. All your meals are taken care of. You have health care. Even your schedule, whether you like it or not, is set out for you. And now when you're free, then all of these things are all of a sudden up to you. Uh, a fictional uh, account uh, of this adjustment is if you've ever seen uh, Shawshank Redemption, where the two main characters finally find their freedom, and yet their freedom isn't easy that they struggle with living life outside of prison. 
So what, what, how does that relate to the Christian life? Well, well, that all of a sudden we were made completely free by Jesus, and yet it's a bit of an adjustment. How are we supposed to, to live following after Jesus, doing what's right, when the old way seems so easy? It seems almost second nature at this point. To do whatever comes to mind, to do whatever, uh, to allow whatever thoughts to, to, to percolate, and then it seems like it's an impossible change. To live this new life as Jesus has called us to do. And in our text, we see that exact thing. Because what Paul lays out for us in the message that was just, in the, the reading that was just read a few minutes ago, is that the Christian life is one of adjustment, it's one of struggle. But the great joy is that the Christian life is one where we need Jesus every day. So that's what Paul tells us. And I, I find it very comforting to know that, that even the Apostle Paul would, would find himself in the same struggle that, that I find myself in. That after his life of being a missionary, sharing the gospel to everyone, doing many good things, even he will lament to us that, that the good he wants to do, he doesn't do. And, and that the, the very things that he hates, that's what he keeps on doing. Now, let me remind you that, that Paul is not some uh, carousing reveler. Oh, he was a Bible-believing, uh, Jesus-following, synagogue-every-Sabbath-going kind of guy. And yet he would still lament that, that what he wants to do, he can't do. What, what the good that he wants to do is what he doesn't do. And now what he, the evil that he doesn't want to do, he, he keeps on doing it. That even with Paul's, you know, upstanding character, he finds that in himself, as he follows Jesus, there's this war inside him. This war of conflicting desires. The desire to follow God and do what's right, but also the, the desire to live that old life that, that's so comfortable. Live according to the sinful nature that's opposed to God and is always present. And so you, you, uh, we, we might think of it that this dueling nature is some sort of a, a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. Uh, the, the classic literary example of Dr. Jekyll, uh, but he has this alternate ego, Mr. Hyde, that, that is so evil. But what a lot of people get wrong is that what, doc, uh, what uh, Dr. Jekyll was set out to do was not simply uh, to be harassed by this alternate ego, but he created this alternate ego to, to give in to his sinful desires, that, that under this alias as Mr. Hyde, he could do whatever he wanted and, and have no remorse for what he did. And it worked for a while until Mr. Hyde uh, consumed him, that his evil uh, self uh, was not able to contain it, and so it's not like a, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of thing because Paul says that, that he desires to do good. That he, he hates what was evil in him and yet he still can't do what he wants. He still can't do his desire to, to live as God has called him and he keeps falling short every time. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever had that experience? Wanting to do what is right, what you know what is right to do what, what God has called us to do, and yet you can't. Maybe it's addiction to, oh, I don't know, you can take your pick. 
That, that, that each week you say, you know, God, this is going to be the last time that, that I'm going to have to come to you like this. I'm going to get myself clean this week. Maybe it's a fear or stress that, that's so uh, burdening on you that it makes it impossible to get out of bed in the morning. Or, or maybe, uh, you know, it, it's whatever it is that, that you've come to, to church today and said, you know, God, this is the last time I'm going to have to confess this to you. Because next week I'm going to do better. And yet each week you come back in the same place. And you find yourself in the same place as Paul, lamenting and crying out, who can save us from this body of death? And do you know the next line? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is our deliverer, for when I cannot, he can. What I want to do, he has done. And I cannot free myself, but Jesus says, you are free. Jesus is our deliverer. Set us free from all sin. Set us free from all guilt. Forgiven it all on the cross. And he is raised to life so that we may know what he says is true. It's like... uh, Uh, Another example of this is uh, an an NCIS uh, episode where there's an old uh, 90-year-old man who turns himself in for murder and he's being investigated for this murder. And and he's just treated like scum, like a a criminal. And and while the the police officers are uh, treating him terrible, all of a sudden uh, his tie gets moved over and underneath is the Congressional Medal of Honor. All of a sudden, their, their attitudes change. Well, they, they used to treat him with all kinds of disrespect, but it all turns to, to respect and honor because he was wearing the Congressional Medal of Honor. And it's kind of the same thing for us. That, that not only are you forgiven, but you're given the, the Congressional Medal of Jesus that marks you as a dearly loved child of God. That is the Christian life. Now, I suppose we could stop there. I've said everything I need to know, that you need to know that that you are forgiven, that that Jesus says that you are loved. But we still got more life to live. And I've still got more sermon to give. Because, uh, you know, as you go out from here, you'll go back to your regular lives, knowing that you are forgiving, wearing the medal of honor of Jesus. And yet, how are you going to get through the next day and the next day, living this Christian life of adjustment, when it's so easy to return back to the old way of thinking, it's so easy to just go back to your normal life as you've always lived it. So what is it that's keeping you from from allowing God to to work in you, to change you, to to mold you into uh, His image? What's keeping us from from living a full life of freedom, a full life of joy, a full life of sacrifice and renewal? You know, maybe uh, you've come to to church and, you know, it's kind of early in the morning, so we're still waking up or you're still thinking about what you saw online this morning and the service starts and we go through the usual things and before you know it, we're already past confession and absolution and here we are at the sermon and it all just kind of blurred by. Maybe uh, as we spoke the, the confession this morning that, that there wasn't really anything that you were thinking about specific. And, and, and before I go further, I just want to let you know that, 
the great th- uh, joy of Lutheran, con- the Lutheran understanding of confession is not that you have to think about something, not that you have to, to beat yourself up until you can think of something to confess, and it's not even that you have to think of, of everything, you just got to think of, uh, of things that, that bother you. But have you had the experience of that while we stand here confessing to our God, awaiting forgiveness that is sure to come, but it just doesn't seem like I've got much to confess today. Maybe one week goes by and another week until it starts to become a little concerning. Well, surely I'm not that good. And yet you wonder, well, what is it then? What is it then that I have yet to confess? To answer that question answers uh, the, the greatest question that's being uh, asked of the church today. What good is Jesus today? And if we can answer that question of what good is Jesus today, well, then we'll have a, a great opportunity to, to share God's love uh, with many people around us. Because if what Jesus has done is just something that happened in the past, yes, he died for my sins and rose again, and, and then what all I'm looking for is that when I die, I get to go to heaven. That's all great, but what does that mean for today? What does that mean for my life right now? So many people go out and say, yes, I know Jesus died for me and one day I'm going to live uh, with him in heaven. But yet they're not sure what that means today. What does that mean today? Well, oftentimes, if you've had that experience of just not knowing how important God is for us, what's underneath all of that is not some secret habit, but but really the, the root of all sin, this self-righteousness and self-assurance, this idea that, you know, I can take their, care of things pretty good myself, that I've done a, a decent job. And to, to, uncover that, uh, to uncover all of that reveals that, that inside the human heart naturally thinks, well, I don't really need Jesus for this part of my life. I don't really need forgiveness for this. I'm doing an all right job. So the human heart will start to turn to other things because today you you will have to find some sort of security and meaning and satisfaction in in something. So you might turn to to work or achievement. Uh, You might turn to, to material things. To know that today I've done a good job because of what I've achieved, what I own, what I, what I could own. But to serve those idols in the heart, to, to serve those gods, well, then they always demand a sacrifice. That, that work and achievement always demands more and more time. That, that to have material goods always demands more, better, shinier. And then all of a sudden, once you've acquired this, well, what if it goes missing? What if something happens? And even the, these good things that God has given us all of a sudden turn into uh, these new slave masters. E- even something as good as family can, can turn into an idol when, when it's no longer enjoyable, when it's no longer fun but always weighs on your mind, crushing and stressing everything. We find ourselves looking for these things in all the wrong places. We, we find that we've set up all these different things to find meaning and satisfaction and joy in life. And yet, 
each one of those will fail. Each one of those will fail to fully uh, satisfy our hearts. We find ourselves back in the same position as Paul. Back wondering who can save us. And thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because yes, he has forgiven you, but he also, we also need his forgiveness every day. You see, there, there's never going to be a time when you don't need Jesus. That, that, that first time that you, you understood that you were forgiven, that, that first time God's word was spoken to you, uh, when you were baptized, uh, when, when you heard the word of God, when the Holy Spirit came rushing in and ignited faith in you, those weren't training wheels that, that one day you get to take off and ride on your own. No, we'll always need Jesus. We'll always be in need of coming to, to hear his word. We'll always be in need of being in community with other believers to, to share with one another in the joys and the struggles of our lives. We'll always need Jesus. And so, in a sense, you never grow out of this need for Jesus. You never grow out of this, uh, of this cry, uh, as Paul says in his letters, who can save us? We never grow out of this. And yet, you do grow in your faith. That, that recognizing that, that every day that you need Jesus, that is when the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives. That, that every day when we return with repentance, recognizing that we've tried to do it all on our own again, the Holy Spirit begins to work in us. That we, we never grow out of uh, our need for Jesus, yet we start to grow in patience. We start to grow in peace in, in all circumstances. We start to grow in joy, that, that life is more enjoyable. And we even grow in our, our generosity. Now, that is where the Holy Spirit begins to, to work in us. Yet, we might never notice it. Because often, we'll, we'll only see our need for Jesus. And, we'll receive, and what happens when, when you turn back to Jesus every single morning, every single day, well, then you get all of those good things, all the, the good gifts of God, like, like work and material things and, and family. But, but then you get to ask, you know, who is my time for? Who are, is my money for? And it all begins with uh, this prayer. Jesus, will you be the one thing that everything depends on today? That when you wake up in the morning, you'll know you're going to have a good day. Not because of what you can do or, or how things go but because you know you have Jesus with you the whole day. That at the end of the day, you can tell if it's been a good day or a bad day, not because of whatever has happened, but because you know that you have Jesus. And that changes your life. That is a life of freedom and a life of renewal. Because you don't have to protect Jesus. You don't have to, to worry about anything else uh, encroaching on him or, or maybe that, that one day he'll, he'll fail you and fall down like all the other false gods because he protects you. You don't have to, to worry about losing Jesus. That, that one day you'll get a phone call and, and, oh, sorry, turns out he's gone because he will never lo lose you. And you don't have to worry, you don't have to, to make sacrifices 
to Jesus. And what I mean by this is, is that Jesus never demands more of you because Jesus freely gives all to you. This is the life of freedom and the life of renewal, the, the life of adjustment, growing, uh, knowing that, that we never grow out of our need for Jesus every day, and yet we begin to grow in our faith through that. I think uh, that's the one thing that I've learned uh, over Vicarage year. Uh, many people have been asking me in the past few weeks, you know, what is, what is the biggest lesson you've learned? And I think it's been that. Because when, when I started out Vicarage, uh, I, you know, I thought, well, I got to show people that I actually learned something in the past two years of seminary. And I got to show people that, that it, you know, I, I deserve to, to come down here and, and be paid to tell you about Jesus. So I better, you know, earn my keep and show everyone that, that I've, you know, deserve to be here in, in a sense. And time and time again, I've walked into many situations where I had no idea what, what was going to happen. And even more, have I gotten to the other end of situations where I thought, you know, that surely I didn't, you know, do what I was supposed to do. And yet God has reminded me of that. That he is still working even when I feel like I'm not doing anything important at all. That he has reminded me time and time again that it is he who is doing the work here. That's been so comforting to know. It's been, been such a, a change in me to realize that, that everything I do is not up to me to complete. Sure, you know, I work hard at everything and, and I, I strive to do uh, my best. And yet the, the, the results, uh, the, the, what everything, what any, anything that comes out of it, it's very clear to me that, that it's more than anything I could uh, have managed myself. To realize that, that every day I need Jesus. And to realize that, that in every day he is working through me. And that's the same for all of you. So I'd like to thank you for, for all that you've done, for uh, all the people that we've gotten to know this year, for showing me that, that I need Jesus every day, for reminding me of how God is working. And of course, I'd have to thank Jesus for always being with me, for always showing me that I need him, but also that he will never fail me. In Jesus' name, amen.